Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Well, who's happy? There's the Crows fans. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Very good, very good. Well, who knows what today is in the Christian calendar? Pentecost Sunday. It's always hard to know what to do, I find, after 11 years of doing uh, the cyclical calendar things. We've got Christmas Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day. And do you do a theme sermon every single time there's a an event or, or something on the calendar. And um, I've got to tell you, I've, I've, I've run out of steam uh, on always doing the theme. But, uh, but one thing we want to do is, is give God time to, to move. But the thing oftentimes, I, I think even in uh, a Pentecostal churches, in modern Pentecostal churches, is um, they might open up this Sunday in a way not normally because it's Pentecost Sunday, but we're actually created to live in the Spirit. And so I think that uh, we, we have a danger when we celebrate um, one day of the calendar. We're actually called to live like that all the time. And so, um, look, we'll, we'll see where we go. Is that okay? Uh, let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you'd lead us and guide us today. Uh, we want to hear from you. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and speak and that you would move and that you would have your way in this place in Jesus' name. Just before I start, I want to just uh, give you a little bit of information too on um, in, uh, I think it's like a month, um, I've asked a couple of people to come and share on a Sunday morning, uh, particularly related to uh, some of the things that God's been stirring us and, and involving me and with some other leaders regarding uh, the political climate. And uh, it's something that you, you can't do too often because people uh, get numbed to politics very quickly and we can't fight every single law that's out there that, that we might be against. Otherwise, we just become a political party. However, we need to be in the game. And uh, this is clearer and clearer and clearer to me the more I'm talking to people. And, uh, and uh, a, a, a few of us met with uh, a, a fairly prominent uh, political uh, Labour Party member actually this week. And, uh, and she was actually fantastic. She was fantastic. And if there's one thing she said that I heard... Uh, it was, you got to be in the game. She was pleading with us as Christians, guys, get in the game. Because uh, obviously most of you will know about the abortion bill that got absolutely annihilated, okay? It got annihilated, let's be clear on that. Even with all of the effort, the money, the marches, the, the petitions and everything, we've got to keep doing all that stuff. It wasn't enough to influence MPs. So we either have to become MPs or we have to influence them. And so, uh, are you with me? Are you okay with me sharing a little bit on that? Not going all cold on me, are you? Because the truth is, we're losing. And if you look at the US, and if you look at the left agenda, it is getting militant against Christians, against you, 
and against your family, your kids, your grandkids. And the reason I'm getting a little direct is because we can't stay asleep. If we stay asleep and don't have uh, uh, influence in the game, as in in the political arena, and we think we're not meant to touch that, separation of church and state, all that sort of rubbish, then what will happen is our schools will become more and more infiltrated with the left ideology, which crushes Christian thinking. It promotes uh, gender fluidity, transgender movement, and that is pushed heavy duty in schools right now. Even in Christian schools, it's coming stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, it's not that we're against those people. We're against the ideology. And so we, we've got to be clear on where we stand. And, and so as a church, we are going to get in the game. All right? So just click your seatbelt on. In about a month's time, we're, we're going to really let loose and, and let you know of some ways that you can... Because I've got a lot of you asking, what, how can we do it? You know, does an email do anything? And it was interesting, I was asking this particular lady and, and she was really good and, and very um, knowledgeable in, in the arena and, uh, and I said, you know, what happens when we all sign those petitions online? You ever wondered that? You know, you, it's easy as just pressing a button and apparently your signature gets sent to all the MPs. And she said, look, very little, very little influence uh, because whether it gets to the actual um, politician that you want it to, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but it's just not influential enough, okay? So we're going we're gonna to give you some practical, real ways that you can get in the game. You don't have to become uh, an MP. You don't have to, you know, do anything where you, you thrust a flag out on your corner of your gutter of your house or anything like that, but where you can practically be in the game, okay? So uh, because for me, it's got to be practical. It's got to be doable, for, for the average person because we can't spend all day on emails, petitioning and going and visiting everyone. But what we can be is alive and influential. And let me tell you, it's easier than you think. It's easier than you think. Uh, it is great. Thanks, Keith. We need a thousand Keiths, don't we, hey? Awesome. So, look, be praying. Be praying because, and, and it's, not, it's not one party biased or anything like that, don't worry. But what it is, is, is ways that we as believers can have a real voice, not just a press your button voice, a real voice in the political arena. Because wouldn't it be amazing, wouldn't it be amazing if South Australia could remain as one of the bastions of Christianity and free speech and freedom of religion? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I'm going to preach to this side of the church this morning. You guys are amazing. You're amazing. You guys can compete with them as well, all right? We can have a little healthy competition. Awesome. Let me get into it this morning. Um, I want to really share very simply on um, something that I've noticed in this modern era, era that we live in. Uh, even with all of the affluence, all of the help, all of the benefits and the lifestyle uh, awareness and the, the, just the support networks that we have more than ever in our Western society anyway, I've noticed that 
more and more, it seems like an endless pit of need for people with, uh, whether it's mental health or physical health or um, situations that where we need more and more support, more charity. It's almost like the government could not pour enough billions into helping humanity, helping Australians, and we would still find ways to, to spiral downwards and lose hope. It's because we've lost our compass as a nation. We've lost our compass as humans. Our compass is Christ. But we're looking to so many different things to help us. And even Christians, we're looking to so many different things to help us. We've lost our compass. And so I've recognized more and more that many believers have forgotten the power of Jesus Christ in you right now. And so I want to encourage you, don't underestimate you. Don't underestimate you. And that means you. And even you who, when I say that, you think he means the person next to me, not me, because it can't mean me. No, it means you as well. Because a lot of people self-sabotage before the enemy ever gets to you. you. You haven't even stepped in the ring yet. And you've already defeated yourself. This is a condition of the modern mind. But it's not a condition of the modern believer. It's not a condition of Jesus Christ. It's a condition where we, we, we almost are the weapon against ourselves. We tell ourselves we're not good enough. We aren't good enough. Our voice is this or we don't look like this or we're not the right age or we're not the right you know, style of person. Let me tell you, God is brilliant at picking the wrong people for the right jobs. History proves that. Scripture is full of evidence where God wants to select you for something you are not qualified for. He actually wants to pluck you out of your own mind and give you the mind of Christ so that you can actually see who you are. Because with Christ in you, you can do anything. Anything. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Every time we put ourselves down, we've got to remember that if we are a believer in Jesus, and that is an if, if we are a believer in Jesus, we have the King of Kings residing within we have every resource possible at our fingertips. If we start to doubt and we go down a spiral, and oh, I'm never going to find a solution there, we're getting too much in our mind. And we need to stop ourselves and say, hang on, Christ lives in me. This is why sometimes when we focus on things and we can even focus on how bad the world's getting right now and it's getting pretty crazy in some circles, we need to remember that God is still in control. God is still in control. And even if you don't have a theology of the sovereignty of God like some others might have, you, you want the, the belief that God is sovereign. You want the belief that he's in control. Because let me tell you, no one else is in control. God is in control. And he has planted Jesus Christ inside of you. I, I love that question. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. You have every resource. 
You have every answer to all of those little problems that keep coming up, all of those distractions, all of those issues of life that keep bombarding you. Get more into Jesus than in your mind. Get more into the mind of Christ than into problem solving your own situation. Now, there are times when we get into the mind of Christ where he'll give us solutions, but it comes from him. We're not, we're not attacking every symptom. We're actually building in the kingdom of God and, and dwelling from that place. Colossians 1.27 says, And this is the secret. Don't you love that? And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. And this is the secret. We, as modern day believers, we have so many things that we can go for, go after, that Christian panadols, if you like. There's so many things that we can go after and numb ourselves to fill in time, but there is only one solution to today's problems, Christ in us. He's the hope of glory. And I, I love that. And this is the secret. We have to go to that secret because the world doesn't know this. That's why it's a secret. The world doesn't know this. If it did, it would be fascinated with Christ, not opposing him and abusing him and mocking him. But it's, this secret has been, has been withheld from a whole lot of humanity. And it's God who unveils our eyes and we finally see the truth. And when we see the truth, we get the secret. You have the secret access to the kingdom. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. And that means in that moment when you are highly anxious, when you are unsure about the future, when you do not know how you're going to get out of this situation, he says, don't be afraid for God is with you. You have the secret weapon within you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will, uphold, I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. There's a few things I want to bring out today that I think oftentimes we, we overlook or we forget about when we are drowning in life's issues. And the first thing is we can feel like we're insignificant. And maybe it's age, maybe it's your qualification. Age can be too young or too old or not old enough or whatever it is. Uh, qualifications, skills, position, titles, uh, prominence, influence, popularity, all of these things we can try and go after or we feel like we are lesser than. Let me tell you, you're in good company if you feel lesser than. If you do not feel good enough, you are in great company. Just read through the Bible. Read through the heroes of the Bible. Most of them felt very inadequate. Most of them felt very underdone. I remember when Karen and I were uh, trying to purchase our business, and I think I was 24, and um, I remember at the time I was mentioning it to a few people, and I saw their faces. They didn't really have to say anything because I saw their faces when I said, look, I really want to buy this place. Um, and it's one thing when Joseph pronounces to his brothers, hey, you're going to bow down to me. I learned that lesson very quickly because the people I was telling are the guys who were going to be my employees. And I remember most of them, I'm looking at them, they're like, there's no way in the world you can buy this place. A, you haven't got the money. B, right now we're more senior than you. And this is what God will do with you sometimes. 
He will give you something that no one else sees. And in time, people will begin to see it. But time has to pass. And we don't throw that in people's faces. We don't become arrogant. We, we, we ask the Lord. But, but out of passion and out of promise, sometimes God will give you a glimmer. And I believe those glimmers are prophetic callings into the future, into our destiny. And, and we've got to hang on to those things. And so I remember um, the time when Karen and I, we put together this ragtag little offer for the business and... Um, and, uh, and I took it to the administrators who were the, the guys dealing with selling the company at the time. And even they sort of looked at it and went, all right, we'll, we'll submit it to the owners. But, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to get up. And you feel very small, don't you, when someone sort of pats you on the back. You know, good work, Johnny. But, you know, it's not, it's not quite going to um, cut the mustard today. But, you know, you sort of walk away and go, well... All right, I've given it a shot. But, but we knew God had spoken to us. Well, we thought he had anyway. And um, we, we believed we'd heard God's voice and, and we, were, we were standing on that. We were standing on that. Sometimes you stand on it even though the circumstances are going completely against you. And then, of course, the next day we got an answer back saying, no, you've been unsuccessful. And, um, and then, <coughs> sorry, just a cough. Um, it wasn't a demon coming out or anything crazy, just. <laughs> we look at each other and we're, and we're sort of like, what, what on earth is happening? God's told us we're going to have this company. And we, we, we sort of look and that can lead to disillusionment. Some of you are sitting in disillusionment right now because you haven't seen the promise come to pass. I want to tell you. If it's from God, it will come to pass. If it's from him, it will come to pass. I can say that with a resolution. Not only have I lived it, but I've seen it and the word of God says it. If it is in accordance with his will, it will come to pass. And so this is the thing we want to seek out. Is this your will? Sometimes we can be confused Christians when we go after things and they weren't his will in the first place. And maybe we question stuff and maybe we're wondering, was that you? This is when we seek out counsel. We get other good people to help us speak in. This is why we need to keep meeting together and rubbing shoulders and worshipping because when we're in that place, we hear God's voice and through other people. But feeling under, underdone can be a very uh, harsh thing. It can make us feel very, very disillusioned. And it was about a year for us of feeling disillusioned. One whole year of working for people who actually got the company that we should have got. And, uh, or, you know, that's, we heard God's voice and we were standing on that. So for the first few months, we're like, all right, we've got to get back on the horse. We've got to earn an income. Got to stop whinging. I've got to honor the boss. The Bible says that I don't feel it, but we're going to do it anyway. You know, when you have to do that stuff, do you know what? God honors that anyway. Even when you don't feel like honouring someone, if you do it out of obedience, God loves it. And there's many things in life we won't feel like doing. We won't feel like forgiving someone, but we do it out of obedience. And God loves this stuff. And so anyway, that whole year was a challenge for us of disillusionment, lack of faith, then standing in faith. We're kind of like schizophrenic. One week with this, next week with that. Like in faith, out of faith, in faith, out of faith. And uh, anyway, coming to the end of that year, finally we began to see, hang on, 
maybe there's an avenue here. I'm a year older, I started to get grey hair, and that's a good thing when you're trying to look a bit older, you know, in that situation. And, um, and so, lo and behold, we got the company. And, and I remember walking in there on the first day thinking, my goodness, what a journey. Isn't it weird the journey God will take you through? He is just weird sometimes. But for some reason, he's in control. And he doesn't let us be in control. Or he does, but we're in control of a paddock and he's in control of the world. And so in that little paddock, we run around and we bark. And I know there could be sheep and allergies coming up, but we won't go there today. But when we trust in him, when we hear his voice, and when we stay faithful, it doesn't matter what qualifications we've got or what age we are or aren't or what we look like or sound like. And in today's world, one of the biggest pressures is social media pressure. One of the biggest pressures is social media pressure. God does not care about social media. He does not care about how famous a person is on social media. He does not care about how influential even a pastor may become on social media. How many clips, how many followers, how many books, how many this, that and the other. It means nothing to him. Everything is meaningless when it comes to this sort of stuff. Because we are all leveled. And let's look at that a little bit. The promise of God. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When we hear his voice and when we are obedient to his voice, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. It's exactly the same. It seems like God has a pattern of taking Karen and I through things well before we're qualified. We did this with uh, the church as well, taking over the church. And, and some people, when I tell them the story, it's, you know, it's a long 12 years ago now, whatever. I tell people who don't know us, I'm, and they think, oh, your, your dad handed down the church to you. Isn't that lovely? And I sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't lovely. It was an absolute massacre. But sometimes God will take you through a massacre to get you to the promise. And if you can last through the massacre, maybe this is why I watch Braveheart a thousand times. Just God knew I had to just cut some heads off. In the spirit. In the spirit. See, in the, in the sauna, in the secret place, you can say whatever you like. God doesn't mind you getting a bit aggressive with your frustrations. And the Bible says in Psalm 37, Do not fret. Look, in a little while... They will wither if you trust in him. Some of the problems that we are so focused on right now will wither away. They will wither away if you outlast them. Outlast your problems. Outlast your anxieties. Outlast your stresses and any negativity or self-doubt. Outlast it by faith. By faith. It's, it's, it's a command. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Now, our flesh runs out of courage and strength very quickly. But remember who we have inside of us. Remember who you have inside of you. When things aren't going your way, when people are saying things about you, when self-doubt kicks in, remember Jesus is inside of you. He's not doubting himself. 
He doesn't have an inferiority complex. He is not unsure about who he is. He's not scared about what he says or what he does. He is all-powerful, all-present and all-knowing, and he resides in you. And so we should not have insecurity as believers. I mean that. We shouldn't have insecurity. If we do, we're relying too much on ourselves. And I know that's a controversial thing to say because there's all sorts of mental health and other things, but I want to encourage you, get more into him than even into your mental health. Get more into him than in solving solutions and problems and and even getting better. And when we get into Christ, we take on the mind of Christ. And that's what happens when we worship, isn't it? When we worship, we start forgetting about ourselves. If we can forget about ourselves more and get focused in on him, then anything can happen. Anything can happen. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love and self-control. Power, love and self-control. These are traits of the Spirit. These are traits when we've had the Spirit of God fan into flame. Now, maybe some of you don't quite know what that is, and this is why Pentecost is one of those seasons that we remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the early church in Acts 1.8. We see the Holy Spirit is given. They were tarrying. 50 days after Easter, they were tarrying at the Feast of Pentecost in the upper room, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down upon them as tongues of fire, baptized them with fire. And this is Paul here saying, remember to fan into flame. Why does he say that to believers who not long ago had a phenomenal outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Because we easily dry up. We easily get into the flesh. We easily try and solve all the problems in carnal ways. We, we, we all, we, all of us, every human struggles with this thing. That's why the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. And, and an expression of that is, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Fan into flame the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. There are times when if, if we get too much into the flesh and try and solve everything too much ourselves, we can completely quench the working of the Spirit in our lives. And it's one of those battles as us as humans, me as a human, of trying to work everything out in the flesh, uh, you know, build things, do things in a certain way without the Holy Spirit. And this is, I believe, when we are quenching the Spirit. He wants to move. He wants to be free, but we have to go after him. Pretty much every outpouring, revival, awakening, whatever name you want to give to a moving of God in history has happened with hungry, expectant hearts. That's about the formula I can find. Okay, some other people find other formulas and, and maybe, you know, some are, you know, have prayer as another trait and there, there are other traits. But generally speaking, if God isn't a respecter of persons, I believe he looks at the hearts. He looks in the heart and he is moved by the hearts. And I have a couple of verses here, but I want to just really summarize everything with that, that God looks at your and my heart. And if we are hungry, if we are expectant, and if we are seeking him, I believe he will move. 
And so what are you hungry for? You, you might be hungry for your bills to be paid off. Believe for it. Believe for it. Believe for it. You might be hungering after, I don't know, there's so many different things, relationships, community, health, wholeness, healing, etc., etc., or just more of God. These are good things to hunger for. And so we hunger for these things from a desire from God's heart. And when we do that out of a desire of his heart, I believe it's irresistible. It's irresistible. When we activate our faith, I want to just read Isaiah 40. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I want to ask the worship team to come up just as I finish up. But I I believe there's something about activating the Jesus that is within. See, it's interesting. If we say Christ is in us and he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and he's, and he's all-conquering, he's the king of kings, why on earth, if he's sitting inside of all of us, why isn't all heaven breaking out? Why isn't all heaven breaking out? Why isn't dramatic things of God just, just opening up all around us? Because there's a part that we play in this game. There's a part that we play. And I believe that activating by faith the things of God is a key. When we step out in faith, when we say, God, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to stand in faith and believe your word, it triggers something. Jesus inside of us says, yes, you're partnering with me now. We can do something now. We can do something now. Now, is he limited by you and me? Absolutely not. But does he historically generally move through humans? Absolutely. So we have this precedent of history of moves of God that really one common denominator that I can find throughout any language, any country, third world, developing nations, developed nations. I like to look at all of the different pro formers and see what is the template here. The template is the heart of mankind. The template is the hearts. God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord sees not a man as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. All we need as believers is a heart after him. He's got everything else. He'll use us. He'll speak to us. He'll use our giftings. He'll give us wisdom. He'll give us counsel. He'll give us all the good stuff. But he wants the heart. So I want you to stand today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And I want us just to activate. We've got a few minutes. I want us to, um, it's Pentecost Sunday. I want us to, to activate Christ within you. Now, that can mean a whole lot of different things for different people, and that's okay. But sometimes we've got to take a little bit of risk to see what God wants to do. And so I want you just to close your eyes, lift your hands, whatever, you know, or if you need to sit and lift your hand, you do whatever, do whatever. But this is all about the heart. This is all about the heart. God looks at your heart this morning. And this is the secret.
Christ lives in you. Don't estimate, don't underestimate Christ that lives in you. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you live and reside in us. We thank you for that knowledge. And we ask and we activate our faith today. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would begin to move in us and through us as people and as a community in a fresh new way. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would move as only you can do. We ask for an authentic move of God in this house. For your glory, for your glory, for your glory. And just with your hands raised and your heart open, I just want to ask you, just begin begin praying, worshipping, begin to activate your faith. Begin to activate, out of, just out of obedience. You don't have to feel anything. You don't have to really be thinking a whole lot other than just activating Christ in you. This is the secret, Christ in you. He is the secret. He's the secret source of power. He's the source of knowledge and wisdom and presence and understanding and healing and life and virtue and hope and destiny. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Yeah, go on, just begin to activate, just begin to pray. You might, if you pray in tongues, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Just begin to activate, fan into flame the gift that you received at the laying on of hands. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.